I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. The benefits to running easy and how slowing down could make you faster. We talk a lot about this topic, not only on our podcast here, but also on our Instagram channel. And there's a reason for that. It's because it's a really big thing that a lot of runners um, do incorrectly. And then it also has so much benefit. So it's one of these like easy tweaks that if you do this with your training, you can really see huge benefits down the road. Um, and that's why we continue to talk about it. I know in the past we've done podcast episodes literally on this exact topic, but it's really good and it serves as a reminder. And I think it's good to have one of these um, at least once a year just to kind of have that refresher out there, especially as we're in the summer months right now. And so I think this topic is really relevant. Um, so some of the paces that maybe you were running in the spring when it was like a perfect 40, 50 degree day for your easy runs may be looking significantly different than what you are doing right now, um, say when it's 70 degrees, high humidity. Um, and so we want to talk about this topic about giving your gr- yourself grace to really ease into feeling out what easy running is. And so anytime we do a post on this, we typically will say, hey, your easy pace as a ballpark rough estimate is around two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5K pace. And that is not you know, the only range. You can go even slower. So I like to think of that two to three minute per mile slower than 5K pace as the speed limit. That's the fastest we want you to go. Um, but you can go even slower. And so we're gonna talk about some of the benefits to potentially leaning into going even a little bit slower than that pace range. And we're gonna talk about the VDOT calculator as well. So if you go to that VDOT website and you're plugging in um, a recent race result, you're gonna get a pretty narrow range again. So it's gonna fall pretty close to in line with that two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5K pace. It's a little bit different. Um, Usually it's a 45 second per mile window that it's gonna pop out for you. And if you are forcing yourself to really stay in that range, we're not gonna be able to get um, necessarily all of the benefits that you can get from easy running. Sometimes going even slower, especially on those recovery days where we're just not feeling it, can really help you in a lot of different ways. And so we're gonna talk about what those ways are. Um, And before we dive in, I'm just gonna let you know kind of what's coming. So one of the reasons why easy running works and is gonna help you is it helps you polarize your training. So it allows you to do those hard workouts because if you don't have hard workouts, you're not really gonna see an improvement on those upper um, end performances. Next, it's gonna help with aerobic development. So that's just the whole physiology of running, right? So the marathon is 99% aerobic in nature. We really want to work on that aerobic system um, and leaning in into that zone two work is super important there. Next, we're going to talk about how it's actually less risk of injury when you are running at those slower paces. It's less stress on the joints, ligaments, tendons, all of those things. So less risk for injury typically means that you're going to be able to be more consistent over the long term, which is the thing that's going to make you faster over the long term. And then it's going to allow you to probably run more mileage, right? So if you are going at an easier pace, it's easier on the body, that's gonna allow you to increase your mileage. And typically the formula is like the more miles you run, um, the bigger your aerobic base, and typically that leads to uh, faster times. Obviously there is a limit there, but that is kind of part of the formula. Um, First, before we dive into 
all of those reasons why easy running works and some of the science jason will kind of help go over some of those benefits as well we're going to talk about maybe like why people run too fast because i think there is um, that psychological side to things right so just sharing our own experiences maybe to help you relate because i know back when i started running i did get the easy running right i i was really adamant on that um and I, I thought I was going slow enough. I was following the VDOT. I was doing two minutes per mile slower than my 5K pace. But what I quickly realized um, as I got more advanced in the sport was like that wasn't slow enough. So Jason, talk to me about your experience with easy running and if you can relate to you know that VDOT pace just not being slow enough on some days. Yeah, I think for me, you know, back in college, we always used to refer to just our everyday easy mileage right around seven minute pace. And so you know, I always thought I had to run around that pace for easy days. And I thought any slower was just sort of defeating the purpose. Right. So, um, you know, when we think about mileage as a, as a whole, we think about 80% of our mileage should be done at that easy range. Um, that leaves that 20% for faster work. Right. And so I always felt like I was pretty good on my like normal weekday runs. I would listen to my body. I'd run slow, but where I really crossed over that gray line was, uh, in the long runs, I would run my long runs too fast. Mm -hmm. And so really that, that 20% was turning into like 35 to 40%. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was resulting in feeling, you know, just tired, burnt out or injured that, you know, resulted in an injury eventually. So, um, I think you have to be really careful with, you know, not only adding mileage, but adding in quality sessions. And I think the best way to start is just by running easy. And that's going to give your body the strength that it needs, the, the strong foundation that it needs to continue to build. And, um, I think a lot of runners just had that tough time with, you know, going out for a run, keeping it really easy and maybe afterwards feeling like, was that even worth it? Like, did mm -hmm. I get anything out of that? And I know that's how I feel sometimes after running like four miles easy, you just feel like you did nothing a few right. hours later. Yeah. And you touched on a lot of factors there. And I think kind of the one that I'm hearing was, you know, the team aspect. So you mm -hmm. would run like with a team and you guys all were like in the 430s or faster for your one mile time. And so when you would go out, you're going maybe, maybe about like two and a half to three and a half minutes per mile slower than your one mile race time, right? Mm -hmm. Or two to three minutes per mile slower than your 5K pace, um, right around that seven minute pace. And so you guys all thought you were going slow enough, that sort of thing. But let's say on one given day, let's say your teammate or you was just feeling not feeling it. And so you were just feeling like maybe this is a little too fast. But because you're in that team atmosphere of like, oh, well, right. Jason's running this pace today, so I better like, I better keep it in check. I better push myself to be in that exact easy pace range so it really hinders that ability to like listen to your body when you have that like group right. think mentality um and i think that's not as common for like adult runners because most of the time people aren't running in groups but if you are at a group run setting this right. is something that can be really prevalent and i know one of um well a couple of my running friends i should say if they ask to like go meet up on a run, I know that I'm not going to be running my comfortable easy pace. I know that I'm probably going to end up going like their easy pace, even though on race day we perform pretty much exactly the same. Um, for whatever reason, everyone's going to have their different, like what they think is comfortable on their easy pace. And so they're going about 30 seconds per mile slower than what I typically do. And so I really have to like mentally prepare for that. So I'm either going to do it on a day where I know I'm not going to be sore, um, or just making sure I have enough time after that to like regroup before my next workout because it is still great to be able to have those group experiences, but I think making sure there's a time and place. And I think one way that you can really implement that um, is shifting those group runs to be more workout days because sometimes being in that competitive environment, it's actually more race specific. So in a race, you're gonna be around people and so it's good to practice being around people in your workouts. And then the other reason is you can actually push a little bit harder um, when you are around other people. So sometimes it can be better to have those group days with other individuals instead of having your easy runs be with other people. Because I think when you're trying to have easy runs with other people, you get that it's really difficult to find the pace that everyone agrees right. is easy unless you're going like incredibly slow. If you're going to let the slowest person or the person who wants to run the slowest set the pace, then I think you're okay. Yeah, all really good points. And you know, I've I've had workouts with friends over the years where our fitness is pretty aligned so we can do workouts together and we each get that kind of that same benefit. And I've also done workouts with friends who are maybe a little bit more fit than me. And so then I try to strive to hang with them. And so then I'm really stressing a little bit too hard. So you have to think about 
sort of the, the effort that you're exerting and what you're hoping to get out of each session. Um, you know, I really liked how you talked about even most people, they don't have that. Or if, if you're a person that doesn't have the in-person um, mm-hmm. meet group meetups, maybe you're doing this more through the virtual world, right? Mm-hmm. Like on Strava. So you see someone, you see someone that you compare your race results to and you see what they're doing on their everyday easy runs. And mm-hmm. it's a little bit faster than what you're doing. So then you maybe think you need to run faster. And that's kind of how mm-hmm. I yeah. got started running my long runs too fast, right? Yep. Because I'd compare myself to these other people that are running similar half and full marathon times to myself. And so I was like, well, I got to be able to run a long run at this pace. Right. And so, um, over time you kind of realize that that's not the best method and, you know, do what's best for you is really the best way to go about it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I even still will look at Strava on Instagram a lot just because I'm trying to track my athletes and my runners. And um, I see a lot of people's run data. Right. And so sometimes I'll be I have to check myself like my thoughts kind of go that way. I'm like, oh, wow, like they're doing, you know, this workout at this pace or their easy run at this pace. And I'm just like, Victoria, no, like you just need to focus on you. Um, cause obviously I follow people that we run similar times on race day. And I think everyone has that. I'm not even that competitive of a person, I don't think, but I think everyone just has that, um, little competitiveness within them. And so if you're following people who maybe you uh, like compare times or you're a very comparable, um, runner physically, I think that's something you really have to keep in check is that if you're doing a little bit too much of the comparing, um, that could be causing you to maybe make shifts with your training that you're not even consciously aware of. So keeping those things in mind and remembering that like just because Sally Jo runs eight minute pace for her easy runs and then her marathon pace is like eight minute pace doesn't mean that you have to run all of your easy. It's funny. I think you had an athlete recently who he was like Googling, uh, like he wants to run a certain marathon time. So he's like, well, what does it take to run like a a three ten marathon? And, um, you know, all this stuff on like, let's run pops up. Right. And so he's reading and the stuff is like, well, you know, if if you want to run 310, you better be running your easy runs under eight minute pace. And I had to laugh because I recently ran 301. So well under 310 and my easy paces were like 930. And so just because you see someone on the internet saying you have to do something does not mean (laughs) that that is um, accurate. And yeah, there probably are a lot of people where that's the case for them, but that's not the only way to get to that end goal. And so there's so many other factors involved that you really need to look at. But I think at the end of the day, um, you just need to lean into what, what feels right for you. And if you feel like you're pushing it on easy days, that's typically a sign we need to, um, slow down. Yeah, exactly. Another good point is thinking about comparing yourself to previous versions of yourself when maybe you were a bit more fit. And so mm-hmm. you don't always need to run the same times that you ran years ago. And I, I struggled with that for a really long time. You know, the further I got out of college, you know, you you end up basically eventually losing some fitness in the shorter distances for sure. And so I always kept trying to run those same paces and um, that, that just wasn't good. And so it's, it's, it's good if you can be honest with yourself and just sort of, you know, run run where you're at and knowing that um you know you do do some form of assessment look at the vdot calculator run those paces that you're at now don't try to run what you used to run absolutely and i think that is extremely important as well because most people run um for a lifetime right or you run for long periods of time and so myself being a runner for over a decade um what used to be actually a very easy pace for me and it didn't feel difficult at all after having two kids and then coming back the second time postpartum i was just like the paces that i used to be able to run for easy days did not feel easy and i it was very like this struggle like i was like why am i not able to run at a normal easy pace but i just kind of like leaned into allowing myself okay like maybe you just need to go slower like um And I thought maybe like, you know, you're losing fitness or whatever, but that wasn't the case. The case was that like, maybe I was under more stress. Maybe my body just needed a tweak in training. Maybe something I could get away with when I was, you know, in my earlier mid twenties, I can't get away with in my thirties after having two kids. And so instead of getting caught up in what does that mean or trying to like interpret like, oh no, like this is a bad thing. I just leaned into it. I was like, all right, we're going to go a minute per mile slower than what I'm used to on my easy days because that's what feels easy. That's what my old easy pace used to feel like. Um, And then I was still crushing workouts. So I was a little bit confused as to like, why Mm. am I still able to do these workouts? Um, And then with like within a year postpartum, I ran a huge half PR, like 6.15 pace for a half, which my half 
time before that was like 6.45 pace. So I realized that like, okay, just because you're running slower on your easy days doesn't mean that you're not actually gaining fitness. And in fact, I think what it allowed me Mm -hmm. to do was be able to run more miles than I really ever had before. And it allowed me to like get to this next level with my training. And I don't think that I actually would have been able to get there had I not leaned into that. Um, And then I did go on to run like a 301 marathon where my fastest time before that was like 12 or 11 minutes slower. Um, So it's just really interesting how I was running my slowest ever easy days by at least one to two minutes per mile, but yet I was able to have like such a big breakthrough. And that was something that happened after implementing this for over a year. So it can take a very long time to see that these things pay off. Cause I know sometimes I get messages on Instagram and people will say, Oh, I tried easy running um, for three weeks and I have my half this weekend and I'm like, well, like you might see results, but what it really is, is this long-term investment. So as runners, we're probably in it for the long run. We have long-term goals. So if you just invest a year to doing this, I think you're going to see that you're going to be able to have more workouts. You're maybe going to be able to run more miles. You're going to be more consistent. All of those things, those things compound over time. So it's not a quick fix. And so that's the thing that I really want to, to share with people. It's not really a quick fix. It's that it allows you to do more with your training if you're running the correct easy pace. And sometimes I think back retroactively and I wonder, you know, back in like 2016, 2017, when I was going my V dot, quote unquote, V dot easy pace, was it still too fast? Should I have slowed down even more? Because there were times where... Like I just wasn't, I just kind of felt flat. And and I think that if I would have implemented allowing myself to go slower, it would have paid off in dividends. Um, but some of the reasons that people do go too fast on their easy days, I know people come to us a lot and will be like, wow, you're, you're really, you're crushing it. Like on all of your runs, you're going like marathon pace. Um, and that can be, this is another reason why people go too fast, right? It's a lack of structure. Right. So if you're not having any hard workouts, if you're not doing... Um, adequate mileage, I guess, where your legs are going to feel fatigue. Um, If you're not being challenged, you're going to find a way to challenge yourself. So you're going to just, every single run is going to be this like challenge. Mm -hmm. And so what we're going to talk about later in this podcast is this idea of polarizing your training. And so you're going to have extremely hard days. And then on the other days, you're going to have more of just like an easy recovery mode. Um, and I think that's really what allows people to get to that more of, okay, I want to go slow on my easy days because I can relate, right? When I come out of a marathon training cycle, um, you know, after like three weeks of recovery, I'm not really doing a lot of workouts yet. But so then that temptation is there every time I'm like on an easy run. I'm like, oh, this feels so easy. Like I don't need to go that much slower. I can, I can maybe push it. Um, because if you don't have any workouts to look forward to, or if you're not really running at your peak mileage, you're, you feel like you can go hard on all of your easy days, but we're going to talk about maybe why that's not the best approach. So Jason, talk to me a little bit about what is polarized training. Yeah. I mean, you said a lot of good things there and I was just thinking about that structure as you spoke, as you spoke about it, because for you, I think, you know, it took time to realize like, okay, this is the best approach for me to be able to get the quality sessions that I want and Mm -hmm. to be challenged. And we often find that a lot of runners that come to us um, that maybe aren't super experienced with racing or with working with a coach, um, a lot of times they do make the mistake of just running a lot of their daily runs too fast Mm -hmm. and their training isn't polarized. So they don't have that good structure with solid workouts. Um, They're not tapping into some occasional, you know, like speed workouts to Um, work that vo2 system they're not doing maybe enough threshold um they're just doing a lot of like maybe gray work or steady state work um and so i think you know it starts with with just embracing slowing down and then um starting to incorporate a few of those workouts so that you can kind of see okay this is how i learn to vary my pace range right Mm -hmm. you want to think about pace as like a range of speeds and you want to be able to have good control over that and so that's to me that's what polarized training is is being really specific and then having um everything aligned with whatever it is your short-term and long-term goals are right so if your short-term goal is 5k in eight weeks then we train you for that we're not doing a lot of like longer runs um the long-term goal is a marathon in the fall which is like six or eight months out then you know obviously we're going to work towards building that mileage over time 
Definitely. And I think a lot of people don't really like the idea of easy running. It's not, you know, it kind of is a lackluster. Um, So what I like to do mentally is I like to think of polarized training as looking at your two hard runs per week. So 20% of your weekly mileage can be at a quicker pace. And that 20% is going to be kind of nestled in with, you know, you're going to have your easy warm up, you're going to have your easy cool down, you're going to have some recovery jogs. So if you're running, I don't know, what is it like 40 miles a week, it would be maybe about 10 miles, a little like eight, eight miles would be mm-hmm at that quicker pace. And so let's say you have two workouts that week. You have one session on Wednesday and one session on Saturday. And let's say your Wednesday session is four by one mile, nestled in with, you know, warm up, cool down, all that stuff. It's an eight mile workout. Then on the weekend, maybe you have like an 11 mile long run with the two by two mile at marathon pace or something. So that's where your eight miles are going to be split up. You're going to have some on Wednesday, some on Saturday. And so those are going to be like the icons of your week. And you're really going to want to plan that those are your hard days. Um, You want to kind of practice that like you're going into more of like a race mode. You're going to work on your fueling. You're going to have like the pre-run nutrition that you maybe want to try on your race day. And so those hard days are what you have to look forward to, right? So every time I go out on a run, I like to think of, okay, this is an easy run day. And instead of saying, okay, I want to run between X pace and Y pace, I will just say, what pace do I need to run today in order to feel good for my Wednesday workout? So if that's Monday and the legs are feeling pretty good well maybe you can get away with a little bit like on the faster end of your easy pace if it's monday and your legs feel like trash from your last workout still maybe we're gonna be just going a lot slower than what vdot says the idea is that you're leaning into that feeling and so as coach ben always says Easy running isn't a pace, it's a feeling. And so you want to ask yourself, how do you wanna feel on those two workout days and make sure you're running easy accordingly during the week to make sure that when that workout day comes, your legs are feeling good, fresh, and you're ready to crush that next workout. Yeah, it it all boils down to, um, you know, setting yourself up for, um, you know, that workout ahead and I know you know, as, as you get more advanced in the running, um, you start to really look at, look ahead more on the calendar, I think to that, like Thursday workout, like if you're on a Tuesday and you'll make sure you'll, you almost learn like, Oh, I, I don't want to do anything to maybe, you know, hamper that workout. And so I think for a lot of new runners, they're really focused on like that run that lies right ahead of them. Right. Or like that next run or the current run that they're in. And so, um, we're always, I, I think thinking ahead, maybe to the long run on the weekend. And so, um, having that definitely the longer term uh, lens and looking at your training, I think helps you um, from overcooking things, doing you know too much work um, on your easy runs. Definitely. Um, and then talking more about there's other benefits to running easy besides, okay, like the key workout days are your main focus. Um, it actually helps build your aerobic system. So anytime you're going out on these easy miles, you're working your aerobic system and running is an aerobic, well distance running, I should say, is an aerobic sport. Um, if you're training for a marathon, that's 99% aerobic. And the reason why a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of factors why people hit the wall, but for the most part, it's the reason why someone can run a fast marathon is because they have a very strong aerobic base. And so some people who are maybe newer to running and they give themselves a year to train, VDOT, according to their 5K, might say, hey, you can run like a four-hour marathon. You might go out there and run 430 and wonder what the heck. But it's because it takes years, decades to really improve that aerobic fitness. And someone who maybe has been running for a really long time has a stronger aerobic base and can maybe get closer to that like VDOT prediction in the marathon. And that's all because of the aerobic miles that they've done over the course of their lifetime. And when we're working in pace ranges that are a little bit too fast, uh, we're not working the aerobic zone. We're actually kind of dipping um, into the anaerobic zone as well. And so you can have a easy run where it's, it's not like a flipped switch, right? You can use 
more than one of these systems at the same time. Um, it's just, we want to make sure that we're trying to utilize that aerobic system as much as we possibly can. And so one way to do that is to really make sure we're in that like zone two heart rate, keeping right. things extremely easy. And I, I say zone two heart rate, but I really want to like touch on the fact that if you have a wrist heart rate monitor, it is not an accurate technology for measuring heart rate. The best way if you're going to train off of heart rate is getting the chest strap and ensuring that you're getting accurate data. Cause the thing that I hate is when people are like, Oh, my watch says, you know, this and it, and you're mm -hmm. wondering if it's even accurate. You want to make sure what you are using for these guidelines, if you're going to train off of heart rate is giving you an accurate read. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up heart rate. You know, we do coach a lot about like effort and I want athletes to follow an effort scale. So I'll say, you know, your easy run should be no no higher than like six out of 10, which is, you know, 60% effort. And when you think about easy running, you know, even Jack Daniels agrees that, um, you know, when you're running easy, the percentage of heart rate that's being used is about 60 to 65%, right? And you don't want to go above that for a couple of reasons. Um, number one, you're getting a lot of benefits at that at that range, right? Um, your the stroke volume, which is the amount of blood that your heart pumps with one beat, that's going to be the same at 60% as it is at 90%. And so why run faster when you're going to get the same benefits running slower? Your blood, your muscles are going to be supplied with the same amount of oxygen that they need, which will help increase the mitochondria within the cells. And so that's really the secret behind, I think, why elites get to a certain level is because they train for so long and if they're running 100 miles a week, you know, think about how many of those miles are at their easy pace, right? At that 60% heart rate zone. And they just like build up over time. It just like, it compounds itself. You use that word earlier and I love it because that's really what easy running does. And that allows you, I think, to build on your harder sessions and increase in race distance and all of that and hold your threshold for longer. And so it's sort of like the biggest piece to the puzzle. And then everything else sort of pieces around it. Yeah, no, I love how you said that because a lot of people will ask that question of maybe it's someone who's been running for a while and they have a following on Instagram and all of a sudden they like run this amazing time and they're like, oh my gosh, what did you do different this training cycle? And obviously you can do things within a training cycle to improve, but sometimes what it is and what it boils down to is that like they're having this breakthrough because of all of this foundational stuff that they've been doing for a really long time. And then like the stars lined on that race. And so they were able to have that breakthrough. Um, and so when I did my last marathon and I went from like 311 to 301, people were like, oh my gosh, what did you do different? And I was like, I didn't like, I literally did nothing different. It's just that I was able to, you know, put it all, it was like a good race day. And all of those miles that I have been doing for years and years and years, like you said, they created this whole like network of things within my body, like right. the mitochondria mm -hmm. and like all these new um, pathways for like blood vessels and everything. It's just, there's so many things that happen on a cellular level when you're doing these easy runs day in and day out that it just kind of like creates you into um, this amazing aerobic machine. And so if you give yourself like the chance and you're really committed to investing into it into the long term, you're just gonna become better over time. It just naturally happens. And at the time we were recording this a couple um, weeks after Boston, but that was really one where like we're spotlighting all these people who ran the Boston Marathon. And so they all have like these qualifying times. But one thing that really pretty much everyone had in common that we coached, at least it seemed like they've been running for a long time. Like maybe they started their first marathon was like five hours, but over the course of, you know, seven, eight years, they just, they ran a lot, like it was consistent. Um, and yeah, of course, obviously you have to have like the specific training, you have to have the workouts, all of those things. But what one thing that almost all of them had in common is they've been consistently running for over a decade, right? And so it allowed them to like have this network, have these cellular adaptations. And so sometimes when people look at marathon runners or runners in general, and they're like, oh, you know, you're just talented. It's like, well, maybe there's a little bit of that, but I right. think what it really is, is that you have trained your body to adapt over time and your body is listening. So every day when you like produce this, this stress to them in zone two, your body adapts and you just become, um, more elite, I guess. You separate yourself from like the person that's sitting on the couch more and more and more every single day. And you really can create for yourself like this um, 
runner's kind of physiology within your body, which is really cool. And so I think if more people knew that like zone two work is what allowed you really to run more miles and get more of these benefits, I think more people would um, kind of be invested at that level. And so really what um, running at the slower pace does is it also reduces that chance of injury. So prior to like this year when I was always kind of going a little bit faster on my easy runs, I thought, okay, my mileage sweet spot is X. I always thought this is it. I can't run more than this because I would get injured, feel burnt out, whatever. Um, When I leaned into going slower, I found that I could actually kind of increase it by maybe 10 to 15%, which doesn't sound like a lot. But if you're doing that over the course of a year, that's 10 to 15% more miles over the course of a year. And that's actually going to improve your fitness. It's going to improve your aerobic ability is because you're doing more work. And so your body is responding to that stimuli. Um, And obviously everyone has their own mileage sweet spots. I'm not saying like, oh, just keep doing more infinitively. You want to do it smart. You don't want to like increase too much too soon. Um, But if you are able to go slower, usually you find that you're not going to have as many flare-ups and injuries because it's not as hard on the muscular skeletal system. And the reason why, like after a marathon, for example, when you're running a marathon, it's all at an aerobic pace. It's all aerobic, but it's at that upper end. And so the reason why you feel destroyed after is because you're taxing the body at the maximum pace that it can go for aerobic. So it's better to go slow so that you don't have all of that wear and tear on the muscles, ligaments, tendons, where you're like really pushing it. Um, And I think that's just something that's just really good to think about is comparing. Yeah, marathon pace, it is aerobic, but so is your easy pace. And which one can you do for longer and not feel like garbage after? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. You're you're talking about Boston and I was thinking back to watching the elites and how some guys are throwing in like a 427 split in the middle of the race. Right. And I'm just like, how does that not tax them? Mm -hmm. And it's like, they get to this level where, um, they can just, you know, their, their body is such a fine operating, fine tuned operating machine that it just like allows them to, um, you know, not slow down like the, like most of us would if we threw in a surge like that during the race. Um, and I think it kind of, you know, when you think about resting during your training cycles, you know, if you're a new runner, a complete rest day is probably going to be needed a couple of days a week, right? And then um, as you've been running for a few years, you might only take like one rest day or maybe two rest days, right? And then once you're at like Victoria's level, you might, your rest day might look like a four mile run, right. you know, because it's, it, it doesn't need to be a complete rest day. And for elites, a lot of times their rest days is like eight or nine miles of just like really super easy running and they're getting benefits from that because they've like built up to that like that's not stressful to their system at all um in fact they may feel better their legs their muscles may feel better if there's that circulation happening and so um it's just really interesting to think about how like the whole how everything compounds itself over time and how um, the physiology you know changes in our bodies definitely and i know that you know, you talked about within the Boston race, how they threw Mm -hmm. down a mile. And I think it's just really interesting that a lot of these elites, they're saving racing for race day. So they're doing workouts, but they're not going hundred percent into the well and they're doing easy runs, but it's just more of like to get those physiological benefits. And I think the more people can have that mindset of I'm saving racing for race day and I'm just going to train at my appropriate training pace. I think they'll find that they don't get to the start line kind of like burnt out, right? Like most people don't realize like how good they could feel if they really saved um, racing for race day. And I think that goes back to that famous quote, like trust your training. And for a lot of the time um, in my early running years, I was like, what does that even mean? I didn't really get it. Like I was like, yeah, duh, of course you trust training. But what that means is that, you know, in those two weeks leading up to the marathon, instead of like testing your fitness or like feeling like, oh, I, you know, I I need to run an X pace for my easy days or like, oh, I I need to be feeling good. You just say, this is part of the process. I'm going to continue to go slow on my easy days. Like even as slow as I was doing during the training cycle. And I remember the few days leading up to my 301 marathon, all of my easy runs that week were in the nine minute pace range. And I ran 654 pace for the marathon. Um, But one of those last runs I was listening to a podcast by Ryan Hall and he was talking about when he would do marathon pace workouts in like the 440 range 
then he would go out the next day and do his easy run at like 8.30 or slower. And so that's like four minutes per mile slower than your marathon pace. And I think if other people like had that mindset of like, okay, I'm just going to go four minutes per mile mm-hmm. slower than my marathon pace, which is like super easy effort. Um, I think people would feel a lot better over time with the longevity of, of running for sure. And they would probably feel like on their workout days, they could maybe push it a little bit more. So just thinking about um, what some of the elites do and like comparing it um you know, four minutes per mile slower. I always like to use that analogy whenever I'm out on my easy runs because I'm like, if they can go that much slower, so can I. Or I can go at least, you know, two minutes per mile slower than marathon pace. Yeah, and you follow Molly Seidel, I think, on Strava too. So you see like how much slower she runs on her easy days. And um, yeah, it's always, it's fascinating. The, the, the way the elites train, right? And it makes me wonder like um, just how how much we can all improve if we're willing to like invest time like and train in a similar way that's like very slowly progressive right so like what can we do to elicit sort of a new response in our training maybe it's a slight increase in mileage or it's just you know an an increase in in our um you know workouts that we're doing if if we're not used to doing any sort of workouts at all and so there's always something i think that we can do to manipulate um, our training so that we can hopefully get to a next level but the balance is always like figuring out how do we do that and keep yourself healthy and motivated right i know a lot of times we lose interest or we have an injury that causes a setback and then we are kind of back at square one and so that's where training can be oftentimes difficult to know exactly like what to do how much to do how quickly to do it Definitely. And there's just so many benefits to the easy running. I know if people follow us on social media, we're always kind of putting out these reminders out there because it is something that you're doing for, we recommend 80% of the time for your mileage. And and that really adds up over time, over the course of a year, right? And so if you do it the right way, you can really reap the benefits of this. Um, And I know sometimes people will comment, they'll be like, is this all you talk about? And no, like we talk about other things as well. But I think it's something that a lot of people can benefit from hearing multiple times because um, there's so many benefits there uh, and then to pair pair things up we did touch a little bit on those workout days right and we've done podcasts in the past talking about like what sort of workouts you should do but that I think is the whole other piece like there's the yin and the yang right so there's that counterbalance of you still have to do hard days and where I think some people get it wrong is they're focusing so much on just the easy running and then they forget that they also need to do um, those hard workouts and it can be a really big transitional period if you're trying to implement this type of training and you're not used to it just like any new training program it's going to require you know a couple of months to really adapt and feel good and I know one of the common complaints that I hear from people just through direct messages on social media who try implementing this is that you know it feels run to run feels weird to run slower and so one of my recommendations is instead of just going like totally one direction to the other let's just what do you normally do for your easy pace okay slow down 20 seconds per mile and then do that for a week the next week or two weeks later let's let's go even slower because i think if you do it gradually over time it feels less extreme i know that if you would have talked to 2016 victoria who thought her easy run pace was eight minute pace and you were like yeah slow down to 9 30 i would have been like what like it's just so different that i would need to gradually do it over the course of probably a year and so maybe that's like your goal right like maybe you tried running super slow and it feels weird so maybe you just slow down by like 20 seconds per mile um, while you're also implementing these workouts and then over time the idea is that it becomes easier to do yeah really good point you know i i just was thinking about how i sometimes had that conversation with athletes that I know run way too fast and just getting them to slow down like 15, 20 seconds per mile. And then as we were increasing like the workout volume, hopefully they start to realize like, oh, I'm really, I'm running faster on my workout. So Mm -hmm. I need to really just embrace slowing down even more. And so I've seen that transition and it is something that happens slowly over time. It's not a flip switch. So um, anything new that you try to introduce can feel a little bit weird at first. So just build into it gradually. Right. And I think that's something to note too, because sometimes people will be like, how do you run that slow on your easy days? And I'm like, I honestly like don't even know. Um, I just, it's what feels natural. And so again, you don't want to play that comparison game because maybe like what feels natural to me, like if you're trying to compare, oh, she's going like two to three minutes per mile slower than marathon pace. 
maybe that doesn't feel right for you. Maybe you can run one to two minutes per mile slower than marathon pace, still nail all your workouts, still improve, still feel good. And there's just so many factors that kind of go into that, right? So just because someone is running you know, a certain differential doesn't mean that that is the appropriate easy pace for you. Going back to what Ben Jacobs says, easy running is a feeling. It's not necessarily a pace. And so you want to obviously have like a speed limit there. You want to know like what your easy range maximum should be. And then within that, it's like, okay, just kind of leaning into how does it feel? I don't even really look at my watch on easy days. It's more of like, I want it to feel a certain way. Um, and some tips for slowing down because that's that's a huge thing that I get asked all the time. I just like to, you know, plug in a podcast, plug in an audiobook, um, have one of my ear pods out and just just kind of chill. Like it shouldn't feel and like you said earlier, you talked a little bit about how it shouldn't feel difficult. Like it should feel like you didn't really go on a quote unquote run right. after. It's more of like a jog. I like yeah. to think of it as like a jaunt, like a jog. Like it's not the same as what I would have considered like a run the first couple years I was into running because like pretty much everything you did back then was you know pretty pretty challenging effort and I think that's a weird feeling as being done with a run and feeling like you didn't really do a heck of a lot um but it's something you just get used to over time and again focusing on that those priority days of your workout days those are the days where you can feel like you really crushed it yeah I mean you learn that you have to really just invest time and that's what it is it's time on your feet getting out the door running super easy and a lot of times that for some people it's like well why would I want to do this much easy running I mean it's a lot of time commitment all that and it's then it becomes a well a motivation problem right like what can you do to actually get out there and convince yourself like if I do this it's going to eventually aid in the race results that I want and so that's where I like like you I bring in the the audiobooks or the podcast something to kind of just take my mind off what I'm doing and a lot of times I'm thinking about the same stuff when I'm running as I am going for a drive. Like I'm not right. thinking anything yeah. about like how this feels really. Um, as long as it's easy, I'm, those thoughts aren't even appearing in my mind. Um, I don't even really notice when I'm going up a hill or down a hill. Oh, yeah. Like no. it just is, I'm just zoned out. And so um, obviously, you know, you, you got to find what works for you. Maybe it's running with a friend. And a lot of times I've noticed time goes by really fast and I don't look at the pace at all when I'm running with a friend. And I get to the end, I'm like, oh, I wonder what pace we're running today. And so, yeah, whatever it is um, to help you just, um, you know, not focus so much on the easy runs. Like it's just something you do and then you get to look forward to the, the faster sessions, which is really going to, you know, pay off for you. Right. And I found that so interesting how you were talking about how it is that whole adjustment. And some people might realize when they're doing it and they're like, wait, this is the way that people train for like marathons, right? Because maybe you've never done a marathon or maybe like you have like a goal to really like get as fast as you possibly can in the marathon and really like race it to your potential. And then you start the training for it and you're like, oh, this is it. And maybe you realize like you don't actually enjoy the training. And so I think sometimes that's, that's yeah. a whole nother topic. But I do get asked a lot. So the two main questions I get is like, wow, like how do you go that slow or how do you slow down that much? And the second question will be like, how do you run that much? And then I'm like, okay, those are actually like this same type of question. It's basically the same answer. So the way that I'm able to run quote unquote so much, I don't really think I run that much, but it's because almost all of my miles, like 85 to 95% of all of my mileage is done at the pace that you were describing where like you're out there, you're zoned out. It's basically like going on a drive. Um, it doesn't, take a lot out of you and so I don't or people will ask like how do you never get injured and I'm like well there's a lot of factors involved but I think one of the main ones is that I'm going at a pretty easy effort compared to my fitness level on most of my runs and where I think a lot of people do end up with the injuries or like that whole burnout thing where they just don't feel like running or their legs feel like trash, they're always heavy is because they're pushing it a little bit faster than they should on the easy runs. And if they would have leaned into going significantly slower, then I think we'd see a little bit less of that. But at the same time, um, you know, it can be quote unquote boring Mm -hmm. to go slow. And so you have to lean into those feelings of like, discomfort at first mentally of like this feels weird it's different I don't really feel like I'm running um this is too slow like those sort of feelings and then eventually it becomes more natural over time but it can be a whole different uh 
outlook on your running and so maybe you realize like you don't really enjoy running <laughs> that yeah. much you know for a lot of people i think they look at their runs like that as like a chore something they have to get done you know and if they don't they're going to feel guilty and they know that if they do it and they're consistent it's going to help them like with their race goals um but you, it's all about like how you frame it up in your mind like if you look at it as a chore it's kind of a negative thing right but if you look at it as oh this is like my outlet this is the time just for me i get to get outside breathe fresh air get some sun you know just relax listen to my podcast my audiobook whatever it is you have to find a way to like frame it up in a positive way um, a lot of times when i don't want to go for a run it's just because i feel like i have a lot of work to get done um, but then I realized like, well, if you sit here for three, four hours straight, um, you're going to start to feel like you're not super like focused and productive. And so by taking that break, coming back, you feel just sharper. You're able to think that much clearer. And so think about like the mental benefits you're getting as well as just the overall like mood enhancing enhancing benefits that you're going to be getting. And so it overall helps not only with, you know, your physical health, but your mental and your emotional health. Yeah. And I think that's something I like to touch on about like, running easy can be boring and I think that that's okay right like our mind doesn't constantly always have to be occupied we don't always have to feel like we want to go out on that run that's why I think I like to find podcasts that are interesting but like this morning for example I wanted to find a podcast I was interested in none of the podcast I mean I have like 25 podcasts I'm subscribed to I looked at all of the episodes that were there yeah. and I was like none of these even look appealing um, and I haven't even been listening that much to podcasts recently. So I was like, how is there nothing that even sounds interesting? So I put on the one that was like the most interesting. And usually, and this is the other thing that I think some runners kind of get wrong, right? If you listen to a running related podcast when you're running, at least if I do, I end up like getting really like pumped because I'm like, oh my gosh, this person, like, you know, if you listen to like Rambling Runner, right? Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, like this person, they, they broke three and like, I want to do that. And like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. And then all of a sudden you look down, you're going like way too fast because you're like, I'm like yeah. pumped up because the story is like, it's getting me jacked up. Whereas some of the podcasts that I listen to are like totally non-running related and they're kind of more boring, like educational. So some of them are right. like on parenting or like on longevity and like health span and supplements just like random things that non-runners would probably listen to as well um or even some people like the crime ones like there's just right. a lot of podcasts that are out there and I think having other things in your arsenal and sometimes I do get bored of running right like I mean it's our job like we're doing a podcast on it sometimes you just want to think about something else and that's what you can do on some of your runs. It can mm -hmm. be an opportunity for you to like reflect on other areas of your life. And it could be even be a time for like personal development. Like let's say you're trying to get better at, uh, at, at work, right? Like you're trying to move into like a management right. role or like all of a sudden you have like, you, you're turned into a manager. And I remember the first time I hired employees, I was like, what do I, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I had to kind of take those easy runs. I was listening to like business podcasts on like how to manage people, how to be a leader, all of those things. And you know, it does help because you're able to utilize that time, not only for obviously getting better at running, but if you're running for like 45 minutes every day, uh, that's a lot of time you can spend on knowledge. I right, mean, thinking exactly. of that, it's like you could spend four hours a week educating yourself on an area of interest through all these podcast platforms or through books. I mean, there's so many audiobooks I've listened to on similar topics to that, right? And I've learned so much just from my runs because also I've learned on my runs is that um, if you are listening to content when you're engaged in something that's really repetitive and you don't have to think too much about it, you actually can absorb the content better than if you were just sitting around like laying on the couch. Because if you were laying on the couch, your mind can kind of start to wander. Right. But if you have to be yes. semi-engaged, so like some, same with, with your driving, right. you have to be like yep. somewhat engaged. And so okay. you're able to listen better because your brain's like on. Um, and same with when you're running. So when you're running easy, it's 
it's not so hard where you have to be like totally focused, but you're still kind of at that conscious level. And so I think running is actually the best time that you can work on those personal development things. Um, maybe that's like a pro tip, I guess. Right. I don't know. I that, think I realized that because I used to not listen to anything when I, when I would run, I would just go out and do that. And then eventually I kind of lost motivation. And I think that's how I <laughs> regained it was like, well, why don't you listen to like music or, you know, they make these AirPods right. now without a cord. So just just get the wireless ear, earbuds. And so, yeah, you look at it as a win-win, right? Like it's your me time, it's your running time, it's your self-growth or your personal development time. And so um, that's sort of, I think, how we, you know, get through each run and, you know, allow yourself that time each day because it's, it's definitely positive. Totally. And then, yeah, even like setting goals for like, okay, you know, I'm working on this right now or like this is going on in my life right now. I'm going to research podcasts. Like there is just so much content out there. I don't know how people did it like in the 70s and 80s running. Like I would, I couldn't have done it because like <laughs> there wasn't, you couldn't even bring music with you. Like you had to just like be out there with nature, right? And so thinking about all of the advantages that we have now, I mean, we got the shoes, we got like BD Lee, we got all these like gels and, and water, like what electrolytes, like right. all of this stuff that we have available to us, like let's really utilize it. And I think, you know, the podcast and music thing and audiobooks, I mean, that's just like next level. It's something that can occupy your mind and keep you kind of busy. And that's kind of funny with the audiobooks. I know some people are like super against like listening to music and stuff like when they're racing, but I, all of my marathons, I've listened to something and when I ran 311 at Boston that one year, I listened to an audiobook the first half of the race and then I switched it to music because I wanted to like, right. you know, okay, the first half I'm chilling. Like I have to just list, like occupy my mind, don't overthink it. And then the next half it's like, okay, now you can race. <laughs> and I think having those, um, what are they like signals to yourself? Mm-hmm. Uh, it can really help and it can even help you like race better because if you switch things like that, like I did, maybe it'll help uh, help with like some race anxiety or that sort of thing. Yeah, that's a good point. And you don't want to overthink pace on an easy run. That's yeah. one thing that you just always want to go off a feel. So if you're looking at your watch too much, you know, these are some things that, that can hopefully help you uh, avoid doing that. Definitely. Well, hopefully this podcast was a good refresher for a lot of people. I know a lot of the information wasn't 100% new, but sometimes just listening to someone else's perspective and hearing their tips can really help. And I know I really like podcasts that are similar to this where people like share their anecdotal stories and it helps me kind of feel like I'm not the only one that's trying to like work on these things. Um, and then it does really work. So if you are interested in working with a coach and getting some of those workouts, I know we talked about that 20%, like what should you be doing in 20% percent of the time sometimes that can be like the hardest part for runners right what sort of workouts should you be doing that thing can really make a huge difference and you want to make sure you're doing the right type of workouts so often I see that people are like maybe struggling for what type of workouts they should be doing or they're just doing random workouts and so if you have workouts that are really catered to what your goals are what your current fitness is and what event you are training for it can really be a game changer with your training and that's why working with a coach is amazing and so we offer a free seven-day trial where you can actually get some of these workouts for free you can see kind of what sort of workouts we would plan for you you can chat with a coach you can even do like a free phone consultation and that's what we love to provide for any of our listeners or any of our followers on social media we'd love to get to know runners and help them achieve their goals if that's something you're interested in you can fill out the form on our website www.runforprs.com and you would get an f- automatic email right away and that offer for a free seven-day trial so again that's www.runforprs.com Thanks for tuning in.